Hi, I'm Asiela Lucia from The George Lopez Show, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now... Here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Hey, thank you for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond for episode 286. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, Marcella Lucia joins us. She was part of the cast of George Lopez, and that was a long-running show on ABC, and she's going to be here to talk about that show and her career and everything else, and it's all coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. This week, we are going to be looking at what is coming your way in theaters and on DVD and Blu-ray in November. Last week, we did uh, what was coming your way as far as the, the holiday movie preview, and now we're going to take what's coming in November. But first, we start off with Remake Madness, coming your way in theaters in November, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, as far as movies coming your way in theaters in November, November 15th, The Wolf of Wall Street gets a remake starring Leonardo DiCaprio and also Old Boy. With Josh Brolin, lands in theaters on November 27th. That's about it for remakes coming your way in November. Not too many, uh, but uh, next month we'll see. There may be more. Next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies coming your way in theaters right here on On Screen and Beyond. Upcoming new movies coming your way in theaters in November. November 1st, Ender's Game, Las Vegas, Freebirds. Diana, and Dallas Buyers Club. Now, we all talked about those last week on our holiday preview. Those are the biggies. But also in theaters on November 1st, that that really looks to be a busy day. Uh, About Time with Rachel Adams is going to be there, and it's going to be talking about uh, a tale of time travel. So that sounds pretty interesting, and she's a great actress. On November 8th, look for Ass Backwards with Casey Wilson. And it's a story of two friends who finish dead last in a beauty pageant as kids. And now they're all grown up and they've got a whole bunch of other problems. And on November 8th, The Book Thief stars Jeffrey Rush and Emily Watson in a film of the horrors of World War II. November 27th, Jason Statham and James Franco star in a Sylvester Stallone written and produced film called Homefront, and Disney's Frozen comes your way on that date also, and on November 29th, look for Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom, as it comes to theaters. That's it for upcoming new movies coming your way in theaters in November. Next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels in theaters in November. Sequel City! Movies coming your way as far as sequels in November. It looks like November 8th, Thor slams his hammer down once again in Thor, The Dark World. And The Hunger Games 
Catching Fire arrives on November 22nd. Believe it or not, that's it for sequels. But December is going to probably be another story, and we'll find out next uh, month right here on On Screen and Beyond. Next, TV on DVD in November. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. TV on DVD coming your way in November, November 5th. Look for Absolutely Fabulous and Bat Masterson Season 3, Boy Meets World, the complete series. Beverly Hills, 90210, the complete series. Dexter, the complete series. Doctor Who, Series 1 through 7. And let's see what else we have here. Oh, that's 1 through 7 on Blu-ray. And also Family Ties, the complete series. I Love Lucy, the colorized Christmas that's a good one. Law and Order, the 13th year. Mad Men, season 6. Naked City, the complete series. Saved by the Bell, the complete series. Seinfeld, the complete series. Under the Dome, season 1. Weeds, complete series on Blu-ray. November 12th, look for Combat, the complete series. Diagnosis Murder, season 6. The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams, the capture. And Mod Squad, the complete series. And Silk, season 1. November 19th, Peter Gunn comes your way in Season 3. Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 5 on Blu-ray. And Touched by an Angel, Season 9. And Twilight Zone, the complete series. That's a good one. November 26th, Breaking Bad, ooh, the complete series. Mystery Science Theater 3000, the 25th. Anniversary edition is going to be coming your way, so be sure to look out for that one. That's it for TV on DVD coming your way in November. Next on On Screen to Be On, movies on DVD coming your way in November. Movies on DVD coming your way in November, November 5th, As I Lay Dying with James Franco comes your way along with Girl Most Likely with Kristen Wiig and Grown Ups 2 with Adam Sandler, The Hobbit. An Unexpected Journey, Lovelace with Amanda Seyfried, Parkland with Zach Efron, and White House Down with Channing Tatum. November 12th, Look for the Man of Steel, Turbo with Ryan Reynolds, Two Guns with Denzel Washington, Planes with Dane Cook, Where the Millers with Jennifer Aniston, and The World's End with Simon Pegg. November 26th, Look for Getaway with Ethan Hawke, Jobs with Ashton Kutcher, and I like this one a lot. It was a good movie. Red 2 with Bruce Willis. That is it for Movies on DVD coming your way in November. Next on On Screen and Beyond, Marcella Lucia is going to be joining us. She was on the George Lopez Show. We saw her grow up right before our eyes, and she's going to be here to talk about that with you right here next on On Screen and Beyond. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond, 
grew up on TV before our eyes as the rebellious daughter on the long-running ABC show George Lopez. Today, she's still going strong. It's Marcella Lucia. Marcella, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hi, how are you? Great, great. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. Marcella, we're going to talk about being on George Lopez and all those other things you've done. But uh, let's start out as you grew up. Was this a goal you wanted? What sparked you to become an actress? Pursuing Hollywood was was a dream I couldn't even fathom when I was growing up. I hadn't even realized the actual um, machinery of acting until I was about 12 years old. And only then did I realize it was actually an industry, that it wasn't just hidden cameras everywhere, but people, real-life people actually expressing their stories. It was, it was an industry. And I was invited. I was in Michigan at the time, and I was invited into an open call. There was an agent who was combing the entire country, and he landed in Detroit, Michigan, uh, looking for his next talent. And 600 children attended that open call. He interviewed every single one of them. And I was one of the three that he ended up selecting to return with him to Los Angeles. Wow. And, I mean, that was my very first experience as far as seeing the professionalism and the dedication that people have to craft. That was the first impression, um, seeing him there from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. interviewing everybody just for the industry. Hmm. Do you remember what that was like? I wasn't sure. The industry was this, was this unfathomable dream to me. I didn't understand the first steps and... Um, I just remember enjoying the company. Everybody was there. Everybody was sharing one dream. And I went up. I just said, I, I love acting, and I'd love to be in Los Angeles. And I guess he heard my, my wish. Did, now, they didn't have you sing or dance or, or anything like that? They didn't have me sing or dance. It was just a face-to-face -face interaction. It, was, it lasted about 20 seconds. Wow. Just stepping up from a long line, stepping up, introducing, and uh, explaining the passion. So in, those, they read it. so in those 20 seconds, they could pick out who was had that something special. Fascinating, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's amazing. Amazes <laughs> me that they can, you know, they can just say, you know, this person has it. Yeah, wow. it's something that you can't even articulate. Hmm. And so they saw it. But so from there, what what would you go into? What would you do next? I I left everything behind in Michigan. Um, my mother and I started fresh. And it was basically going to school and just auditioning every day, every day. And it came to one point where I was dedicating so much to my auditions and my craft and going to acting classes that I asked her, I, I asked my mom, I said, what do I do? What's, what's my priority? Is it school or is it auditioning or is it studying? What is it? And she said, it's everything. Your priority is everything. There is not one specific area that you need to uh, drop everything for. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and that, that pushed me. So I graduated early as I was um, pursuing jobs just so I could pursue harder. And I graduated high school early, and then I went straight to college because I was restless, and I knew education was just as important. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, I pursued it for two years until I got George Lopez. <laughs> so what, before George Lopez, what was your, your first thing that you were doing? Or was that the I remember, first thing? Yeah, I remember this vividly. It was uh, print. It was print with Ben Affleck. Hmm. And we were at, yeah, it was, we were at the studio backlot Universal. And they brought in all their models. And all of a sudden, I see in the corner of my eye this motorcycle and this man on this motorcycle driving up. And everybody just inhaled. <laughs> and then he pulled off his helmet. And then it was him. And he just walked over. He was so even though he seemed so confident and so strong and like 
ethereal on his motorcycle from far away. As soon as he came up, he was amazing, like wonderful human being. He came over, touched my little beanie on my head as, as a welcome, and I, I consider that my blessing in Hollywood, <laughs> my intro. <laughs> now, do you still have that beanie? <laughs> it was wardrobe, so I wasn't. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Was it Lizzie McGuire? Was that one of the first things you, you did? Lizzie McGuire. And actually, my friend at the time was, was Hillary Duff. And, and we were all in one world pursuing the industry. We, we went to Oakwood so every weekend. Oakwood, was, Oakwood Apartments is its area. It's like a club where people just entering the industry kind of pass through there. Mm-hmm. And it, it equips them with everything they need, all the tools they need to pursue Hollywood. So we were all there like this group of kids, Frankie Muniz, Hillary Duff. We were all growing up together. And then she booked the show, and I actually heard about it as she was auditioning for it. And she brought me in as um, as an extra at first, and I just loved the set and seeing her so professional. I mean, this poor girl worked from 6 a.m. till noon, and then from noon for one hour during her lunch break, she would record the voiceover and then start up again filming until, you know, 6 p.m. And her dedication to the craft really just inspired me to push harder. And um, finally, one of the directors saw me, so I used to show up every day on set with her, and said, would you like a line? And I said, I would love a line. And that was my... <laughs> oh, no, forget <laughs> it. I don't, I don't want a line. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm just here just watching. Don't right. mind me. <laughs> I don't think you'd hear too many... Away. I don't think you'd hear too many actors or actresses saying, eh, nah, don't give me one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely not. So I was so nervous, but it was great. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Now, with George Lopez uh, on that show, uh, while you were on there, you were also doing... Uh, voiceovers too for Clifford's Puppy Days. Yes. So when I booked the show, I was working on the on the sitcom for about two years, and at the time I was brought in to meet the producers for Clifford's Puppy Days, and I read for them, and they said, "This is what we need. We need a young voice. We need an authentically young voice to play the character." And and they brought me in. So it was it was a great experience. I would work on George Lopez, and then I would spend five hours one day when I had my time off, and then film five episodes. Wow, uh, Clifford. Jeez. Yeah, with with some great talent there as well. So. Huh. Now, doing a voiceover, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of different voiceover people on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, they all say they love it because you can go as you, you know, as opposed to being mm-hmm. the the star, <laughs> you know. Absolutely, in your sweatpants and right. your beanie, and you walk in, you you drink your coffee, you do your lines for a few hours, and you just packed in like five six episodes. <laughs> Yeah. Now, did you record with other people, or did you do it alone? Yes, with other people, which I actually really appreciated, because it was with some amazing talent. Henry Winkler, I would see him every time we were filming, and just seeing that, that again, that passion and that love and that talent, you know, it's like through osmosis, you can't help but feel invigorated and want to be better as well, just to keep up with that. Um, yeah, so we were all in one room. It was about six of us, and we all had our own little microphone and just acted out the scenes. Hmm. Yeah, I would think yeah. it makes it a lot easier when you have other people as opposed to I know they they I know they play the back the the you know the the track of mm-hmm. what other people are saying but when you're physically there I would think that that would give you more of a natural reaction. You're absolutely right. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Of course I know a lot of these actors are, are voice actors are very very good and they, it doesn't really matter but they still come up mm-hmm. with a great performance but it, I mean, as the average person, I would just think that that would make it easier if you're seeing the person. Of course. 
You can act against the volleyball and make a whole movie fascinating as if you just created a human being out of that volleyball, mm-hmm. or you can act among people. And you're right, actors are trained through their memory and their sensory um, recall to be able to do anything with yeah. any object. But to have people there and just kind of enjoy the, the comedic timing with you is, um, is valuable as well. Yeah. Of course, I, I imagine you end up with a, a, a little bit more joking around and more takes when you have more people there <laughs> i've oh my gosh yeah we had so many jokes so many off-color jokes that i wouldn't dare repeat but yeah it definitely made it so, so much more funner to be there for sure yeah so, so how old were you when you were doing the the cliffords so i was about let's see i was about 16 years old 16, 16. 17 yeah so you said you worked with henry winkler uh mm-hmm. did you I mean, you know, 16, you, 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 I'm sure you would watch Nickelodeon or some of the old shows, you know, that Henry, Henry Winkler was on and, and, you know, they were playing him on different channels. But were you yeah. a fan of, of Henry Winkler? Absolutely. I was a fan. And when I saw him, um, I mean, I was, it's, it's such an honor. And just even to be on the George Lopez show is such an honor as well mm. because you're constantly surrounded by, by titans of comedy in the industry. And you learn from the best. And what better way to start the industry than with some of the most talented comedians? Oh, yeah. Um, whether it's, yeah, whether it's the executives at Warner Brothers who just know what they're looking for, the producer like Bruce Helford who created the show, and Joe Carey and Roseanne, and I mean, his list is endless. And just to learn and to be mentored by these people is just amazing. I couldn't have asked for a better experience. Now, take us into George Lopez's show. Uh, when you were on that, when you did you audition, or was it just an open call, or how did that come out? It was one audition among, I would say, maybe 20 auditions that month. And um, I walked in into the first preliminary audition, which was just a casting director and a camera. I read the scene. She said, please come back one week. So I went back the following week. I met the entire, like all the producers and the writers, the staff writers were in the room. And I remember I, I just, I was so nervous. And I was supposed to play this 12-year-old girl. And I just felt like I was, you know, 15 Everybody wants to feel older when they're 15, so I was nervous that I wasn't portraying her correctly, and so I just, I said, George Lopez reminds me of my dad, and then the whole room erupted in laughter, and they said, we're so sorry to hear that. (laughs) That was my experience, and then um, I didn't hear anything for about a month, nothing at all, not a single word, not a bit of feedback. I moved on to other auditions, Mm -hmm. to other jobs, and then around January, a month later, I get a call from my manager, and she said, what did you think of that that pilot, George Lopez? And I said, I loved it. I mean, it was a great comedy. She said, well, they want you to test for ABC and Warner Brothers. And that was a whirlwind experience. That one week was packed with um, Warner Brothers and ABC. And the final audition was between one girl and I. And I walked in. I was the last one to enter. And it was like this auditorium. It was, I would say, maybe 150-seater theater. And I walk up into this stage this lit stage and this one metal chair and that was my stage like then I had to be Carmen and um, everybody was in suits and it was like dark and dimly lit just how you could imagine in a film how it would be and I was so nervous I found out two hours later that I booked it but now how do you how does it work out okay you're you're waiting a month or, or not waiting I mean you're you're going on with your life and you're trying to get into other shows now say you get a show with actor John Doe, nobody big, Mm -hmm. just John Doe, and you're going to be on a new show, and it's been accepted. And then two weeks later, George Lopez calls and says he wants you (laughs) on your show. How? I mean, you know, 
you're going to kick yourself because now you're on John Doe's show. And, Absolutely. You know, <laughs> but but there's no way out of it, right? Absolutely, and and you fall in love with these characters. I mean, you rehearse so much before you enter the audition or before you meet with the directors that you fall in love. And this is this is your favorite character now. This is you put so much of your own emotions into it, and so um so it's so difficult to pull yourself away, extricate yourself from that world, and put yourself immediately into another world and commit to that second world. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a issue that producers face on a daily basis, like how fast they need to move if they find an actor that they want. And yeah. usually it's possible to do two films at once with the right schedule and commitment. But yeah. For yeah. the actor, it's like, oh, my God, which world do I play in now? Where do I, where do I go? Where do, who am I? Who am I? Right, yeah. Of course, you're playing Carmen. And how close would you say Carmen was like you? Carmen was a little sassy and rebellious. Uh, was that like you, or did you have to stretch yourself to be that? Carmen and I shared nothing in common. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what they nothing. all say. <laughs> That's what they, right? Yeah. I would be giving myself away if I said I was Carmen, because right. people have seen 100 episodes of Carmen, so there you go. That's me. No, um, she's, she really was nothing like me. First, she came from a different age range. And um, her experiences, though, were much more mature than I experienced. Even at 16 at the time when I was playing Carmen at 13, I mean, she went through a lot more. She actually taught me more about relationships and, and certain kinds of friendships and bullying at school. I learned a lot through Carmen, ironically, even though she played younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely part of my childhood through her. Now, is it is it tough growing up like that, you know, being on the screen in front of everybody? I mean, you you must have got recognized every time you went out. It actually was tough. Um, one of the main issues that I felt I had was I had to be very transparent. And there were times when, for example, I would speak to some of the writers and I would I would relay back like an anecdote in my own life. And then they would take that story and they would make it Carmen's scenario. And Carmen's a situation the following week or the following week after that. And it made me feel very transparent because then I had to perform and play act something that I actually had to go through. And then I knew that America some of America would actually see it that, that following month. And growing up every day on camera, uh, you kind of are forced to, I guess you're just forced to to put on a personality that you have to shed as soon as you finish the film or the show or the project, whatever mm-hmm. you're on. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have to kind of redefine your character and personality in real life. Mm-hmm. With, uh, with that show, I mean, it, it was a big show. I mean, any show that goes... Nowadays, if a show goes 30 episodes, they're doing good. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, you went over uh, over 100 episodes on there. so uh, 120, yeah. It was 120? Wow. Yeah, 120. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, that, I mean, that's, that's really something because a lot of shows don't even come close to that anymore. That's right. I, I'm not sure if this is correct, but I heard a statistic that to book a pilot, it's one in 25 pilots get picked up for an actual series. And then from that first episode to one full season to get picked up for the second season is like another one in 25. Mm-hmm. So once you reach uh, 100 episodes, five, six seasons, you pretty much won the lottery yeah. at that rate if it keeps going exponentially. Jeez. <laughs> 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, growing up on TV, uh, you hear a lot of things about child actors and everything who have problems, and, and you seem to have done pretty well compared to <laughs> some people. Uh, do you see that acting can cause this, or do you think it's just it's just something that happens to certain people? I mean, we always hear about probably the worst cases, and but for every right. one we hear, there's you know. A hundred that don't have a, any problems or anything, but uh, what do you Absolutely. think about that? And I think that's very important that you brought that up because a lot of times, like we're so focused on one one variable in this industry, and that we just focus and turn this into a bigger than life situation. But um, to be perfectly blunt, I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced it. I've never experienced the pressures of Hollywood in that degree to be pushed in one particular direction or another. Um, I've never been pushed to too young in any situation that could lead to that and i i don't understand i i can't even begin to articulate what these actresses and actors must be going through Mm. to be that tormented i've never seen in my life and i've been in the industry since i was 12 um i don't know i don't even have words for it that it's very sad yeah you wonder but like say you know the, the everybody focuses on the extreme case and exactly. it's, you know, that is not the rule. It's just the, the way society is right now. Everybody, you know, says, oh, look, did you hear about this? And they'll talk about that person for months about the things right. that's happened to them. And, and, you know, not just child actors, too. I mean, you know, even, uh, you know, older actors, it doesn't make any difference. You know, everybody, but everybody focuses on the worst when the good is, you know, there's a lot more good out there. <laughs> So, I mean, all my friends are they're actresses, and I mean, no issues. I mean, we're just they're the most balanced, the most passionate about their craft, and I've never heard any issues from them. So, yeah. is there anything, isolated incidences? Yeah. Is there anything you'd change, you know, when you were growing up uh, to be, you know, when you were acting or are acting still? But see, it was a beautiful experience for me. Um, however, I don't know if, if if when I have a child, if I would bring my child into acting at such a young age only because as a child you're forced, and I've seen this around me as well through my friends and colleagues growing up, you're kind of forced to be another person your whole life. Like you're so busy attempting to be somebody else that you forget who you are. And at that most critical age when you're 12 years old and you're just building your personality and that personality is constantly pushed aside so you can play somebody else every day, every day, um, I can imagine that that being a bit difficult to kind of regain yourself after all that experience. So, I mean, I would... If if I were to change one thing, it would be that I would start a little bit later in my life. You know, uh-huh. I start when when I'm like 18, for example, when I'm already pretty built in my character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before I portray other characters. Yeah, yeah. Since the George Lopez show, uh, you've continued to act. You know, but but it, it's funny because uh, we've had many actors on here who have done these huge shows like like yours, where you know you were on for 100 episodes and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times, people will think. Oh, they're not doing anything anymore. Yet they're they're working constantly, <laughs> but because constantly, they're huh? they're not on that one show, 
that mm-hmm. we see you every day or every you know every week and uh mm-hmm. they just assume that well they're not doing anything but uh, you've <laughs> been you've been very busy yeah it doesn't stop like every day a new project every day i'm like constantly reading new scripts and managing my schedule around that but um I guess mainly my fans who are who know me from the TV shows, they expect me to be on another show, and and they're perusing that schedule to see where I fit there. Mm-hmm. Um, my film fans expect me to be in film, so so you know they have their own expectations. Um, but yeah, I mean constantly busy, and I think I speak for most actors. Like we're always busy, we're always filming, reading scripts, uh, meeting directors, brainstorming on the characters. Um, yeah, I just wrapped two films in the past six months and working on another one I just did a table read and had to turn down two more because they conflicted and it, it's a different world for sure and I think my TV fans are expecting a different medium of mm-hmm. talent there so. yeah but but besides your acting you're doing a lot of other things too right you're you're writing yeah I've been a I've loved to write since I was seven my I wrote my first poems when I was seven years old but um I've been writing since I finished one novel um, working on the second. Uh, it's it's in my blood. It's through my family. M- my aunt, my mom, poets, they love poetry, and so I learned from them. Hmm. Now, I wanted to mention about the George Lopez show. You were in the cast, yet you were the only non-Latino on the ca- in the cast, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> that, I mean, it, it just... It, it, you know, yet you fit in great. I mean, you know, you looked, <laughs> Thank you. you looked the part, and you acted. Uh, you know, well, your acting was fantastic, anyways. But that's you know, that's besides the point. <laughs> but uh, it, it's you know, people just automatically accepted you as a member of that family. And I believe it's just because I played Carmen like any girl. Um, mm-hmm. I made sure that I didn't, I didn't in, inflict her with any kind of stereotypes, or I didn't mm-hmm. with my own projections of what it meant to be in, in any particular culture in general. Um, I just played her like a because the writing was so amazing. Like we had some of the best writers, and they were able to make her a human being. They were able to give her flaws and passions and expectations, and it was just so easy to play that without adding any other variables to it. Yeah. She she became me. I mean, I learned so much from her. It was, um, yeah, it was. I didn't even attempt to change anything. I just wanted to just how I would react to any situation. I made her react. So. Now, you mentioned earlier that you had uh, been with Hillary Duff and and uh, uh, Frankie Muniz. And now, did you go to school with all these child actors, or were you in a were you in a public school, or were you with special schooling? You know, because you were on set all the time, or. I met my fellow actor um, friends and colleagues through Oak Tree Apartments, and that's that's kind of a gateway through into Hollywood. So as a newcomer, you enter that compound, and they kind of equip you with all the um, all the tools that you would need as an actor to pursue Hollywood. And then once you leave, you go off, and you know you kind of graduate from that world. But that's initially where I met them. As far as going to school, I went to public school. I went to uh, John Muir Middle School, and then and then I went to um, Burbank High School mm-hmm. for about one year, and then I graduated early so that I could continue working full-time. But then I realized I was restless. I'm very restless by nature. I have to always do something. I have to feel like I'm constantly evolving, right, or I feel like I'm a wasted space. So I ended up enrolling in college at 15 and graduated and then transferred to UCLA as a junior at 18 and then graduated. And, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a very uh, inverted experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't really have I didn't really have uh, the high school or even the college experience, 
but um, yeah, at least I got my education. So auditions. What's the funniest or most unusual audition that you ever had to go to? Wow. So I I love sitcoms. Okay, sitcom. I grew up on sitcom. Um, I went in for one. This is like the most embarrassing moment of my life. I walked out. It took me a week to finally just kind of let it go, let the situation go. So I walk in. I met with the producers. They were expecting me. They were looking forward um, for me to read. And then I couldn't get a single line out. I was every single line. I had the sides in front of me, the script. And I could not, I mean, it felt like one of those bad dreams that actors have where they're trying, they're at a table read in the dream Mm -hmm. and they're trying to speak and they can't even speak. And it was like a living nightmare. I was in that room. I started like, I started sweating because I realized I was embarrassing. And this is sitcom. I grew up on sitcom. Um, And then they said, no, no, it's okay. I mean, we know this is for you. Like this project is for you. But I said, I can't, I can't say these lines. (laughs) So So I walked out basically apologizing profusely and then just. Oh my God! This was yeah. after George Lopez, or before? Oh yeah, this was this was after George Lopez. Wow! This was after growing up on a sitcom for five years. Yeah! Wow! <laughs> they must have been thinking, "What is wrong with this girl?" <laughs> Seriously, and what is? I was thinking, "What is wrong with me? What am I doing?" Which you know, which kind of flusters you even more. So. Yeah. What's What's yeah. the funniest thing you remember from the George from George Lopez, the show? Oh gosh, so many. I, the just to be on set every day and to laugh for a living, it's such a beautiful blessing. Um, I mean, every day, every day, because George is a brilliant comedian, so he would always have a joke up his sleeve and mm-hmm. so spontaneous. Oh, so I I tend to be a bit clumsy, and I remember um, the audience was there, everybody was watching, and I'm and it's dark, so it's supposed to, Carmen walks down the stairs into the kitchen and without any lights on. Of course, I didn't see the steps, and I was wearing slippers. So I start tumbling, and it's still dark, so the audience doesn't see what's going on. You just hear this tumbling down the stairs. And then I shoot up, then the lights go back on, and I shoot up back standing. And then I can't even stand up to it because I fall again. And then at this point, I think I've fallen like three times in one in 30 seconds. And then, yeah, that definitely made it in the bloopers. So that wasn't part of the script? No. I I just stumbled down the stairs. I tried to get up, and I tripped again. Tried to get up again, I tripped again. It was in front of the whole audience, too. Hmm. Well, Marcella, I want to finish up with two mm-hmm. final questions that takes us away from your acting, your writing, and everything else that you've done. As far as when you relax and watch TV now and movies, what are your favorite all-time movies, and what are you watching now, and what are your favorite oh, all-time wow. TV shows? Oh, gosh. Well, one of my favorite movies of all time is A Beautiful Mind. Mm-hmm. It is the one movie that has just so much heart and so many twists and turns, and it's such a beautiful story. And I love stories that are based on reality and truth and, and someone's biography. I'm always fascinated by those stories. Uh, as far as TV shows, I mean, I think TV has transformed. I think network has turned into these kind of uh, almost mini featurettes where they're so high quality that they could actually be repositioned as a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One of the shows that I've been totally committed to uh, was is Game of Thrones? Yeah, <laughs> and oh my God, amazing! And also, uh, I just started Breaking Bad, so I'm into season three, and I've been watching every episode, and it's just it's fascinating. Oh my gosh! So yeah. those two for sure. For the for the past oh I don't know maybe the last year or so, uh, everybody has been saying when I ask that question is Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad. <laughs> 
unbelievable. Everybody. I talk about inverting all the rules of what a protagonist is. And, um, yeah, I believe, I believe the creator of the show said that he wanted to turn a good guy bad and make you still root for him. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think that's an amazing feat and very courageous of him to attempt that. Yeah. And he did it brilliantly. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad, you know, people hate to see those shows go, but, you know, you know there's going to be something coming down the line, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, Marcella, I want to thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much. A great big thank you going out to Marcella Lucia for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. Hope you enjoyed that. Love hearing all her stories. We're getting close to the end of this episode of On Screen and Beyond, but I want to remind you to uh, like us on Facebook. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to go ahead and leave a review there for us, and it'll help us move up the ladder in there, and we'll get more people. We are still working on getting 100,000 people a day listening to On Screen and Beyond by our 300th episode. Now, it's getting closer and closer and closer, but I know we're going to do it because we keep edging up every week. So be sure to tell more people, get the word out, download all the episodes. We're going to do it. I know we're going to do it, and it's all going to be because of you. And I want to thank everybody who sends me emails. I love hearing from you. It's such a pleasure to sit here and read some of these things that people have to say. And, uh, you know, it's 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 so nice uh, to hear you tell um, that you're listening because, you know, I, I, I just hope I'm not sitting here talking to myself. <laughs> that's that's one of the, the things I always wonder is, what if nobody listens this week? Oh, no. Anyways, uh, we got a lot of things coming your way in the next few weeks and months and everything else. So I hope you'll tell everybody. And we are hitting toward our 300th episode that's a, that's a lot a lot of a lot of uh, podcasts don't make it that far they go strong for a while then they dip off and then they're gone but uh, we're still going strong and it's because of you and uh, because of all the emails i get it, it just keeps encouraging me to keep going and i thank you for that and uh, if you're like you said on facebook be sure to like us out there and that's about it that's a wrap for this week Hope you'll join me next week when we once again take you on screen and beyond. I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.